Welcome to the Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League, a consortium of premier primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank highest for educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, the first person in Canada to receive the honor of having a business school named after him. To learn more, please visit the website at business.acadiau.ca. My name is Brenda McNeil, and I will be your host. Today, I'm interviewing Logan McGilvery, a recent graduate from Acadia University's finance program and our newest startup founder, owning Kangaroo Delivery, the food companion app to help students with their hungry stomachs. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of ACE, Atlantic Canadian Entrepreneurs. Surprise, I don't think you knew that. Did not know that. Uh, today I have a guest with me, Logan McGilvery, very well-known entrepreneur at Acadia, who just launched his food delivery app called Kangaroo Delivery. So before we get into, you know, all the rave about this orange kangaroo. Uh, so, much rave. <laughs> so much Raves rave. So much rave. everywhere. Um, when did you become an entrepreneur? It started when I was pretty young. When I was nine, I founded a not-for-profit called Listen to the Children. Between the ages of nine and 15, I uh, raised almost $100,000, sent two containers to Sierra Leone in West Africa, and um, uh, filmed a documentary about it, and um, built a children's multipurpose center over there. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just kind of always been something, just kind of building stuff has always been a passion of mine. I think the reason I kind of got into the entrepreneurship route is uh, I remember being in junior high and high school and feeling kind of helpless because I'd look at all these, kind of like the way the world was and all these businesses, mm-hmm. and I kind of disagreed with a lot of the ways they were run. And you know, I kind of felt like a little helpless in that like I couldn't do anything to, do, to help or like have an impact. So kind of the best way to have an impact is be the one doing it. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Be the change so, you want to see. I didn't. I didn't know like what the business was going to be, what uh, what industry it was going to be in. But I always knew that I would probably be starting a business at some point. So uh, right when I got to Acadia, that was my mindset getting into it. Yeah. My uh, my first work term, I worked in a marketing firm, and then because I wanted the marketing experience. And then the second I finished that term, I switched to become an accounting major because I wanted to get some accounting experience. So I worked in the accounting firm. Then I immediately switched to become a finance major because I wanted to then get financial management experience. And th- these were all just steps basically because I knew that uh, I wanted to, to own a business. And I didn't know what the, I didn't know what the industry was gonna be. I didn't know what the business was gonna be. I just wanted to at least keep all my options open and be as well-rounded as I could. Yeah, so it sounds like you definitely had your nose to the ground, I mean, like, opportunity-wise. So when, you inevitably, I imagine you had the light bulb and came up with Kangaroo, was there a particular moment that you actually, like, it clicked and you had that idea, or was it something that you kind of built up over time? Yeah. Um, basically, part of my kind of plan to start a business when I got to university was... Uh, a common thing I used to say when I w- wasn't doing anything, mm-hmm. so I'd be like, oh, if I was born like 10 years earlier, I would have thought of this great idea. So easy. Yeah, yeah. like why didn't I think of that? And uh, what I kind of realized is that everyone says that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, what, what I started doing uh, when I got to university was I would always keep my eye out on new industries that were up and coming. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, if you're starting a business, it's a lot of risk already, and the odds are most of them are going to fail. That's just the way it is. So the way you can hedge your risk is try to be in an industry that's already proven. But if it's a newer industry, there's normally a lot of holes in it. So there's a lot of opportunity. So why try to, in my mind, it was why take the risk of trying to completely reinvent the wheel when you can just build off of it. Mm. Um, like iterate it. Yeah, kind of optimize exactly. it. Yeah. So I looked at, uh, basically my roommate said to me one day, he's like, man, I wish we had Uber Eats here. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's it. Like, oh my God, yeah. And then I, I, so I tried to look into, like, why isn't Uber Eats here? Why isn't Skip the Dishes here? And part of it is it's a very new industry. The Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes aren't even 10 years old. Mm. Uh, so they're still just constantly growing. And um, I identified why can they not work here, and it's because their operating model is not really built for small areas like this. So I said, well, this is an industry that's already proven. It's one of the fastest growing industries in the world. Uh, let me figure out a way to make it work here. Mm. And that's kind of how Kangaroo came about. And we invented a new model that is the first of its kind and allows us to operate at, at industry leading low cost, which allows us to work in small areas like rural uh, Wolfville and other areas like that as well. How integral would you say that kind of partnership model is to your company, especially in comparison to? Definitely. Um, it's really important to me that whatever business I started, we were gonna be a responsible business. And uh, all the users of the business were like partners. Mm -hmm. So Kangaroo has four users. We have our customers, we have our drivers, our restaurants, and the environment. Mm -hmm. And it's really important that all four of those users um, are being handled responsibly. So from a customer standpoint, we offer $199 delivery, flat rate, no surcharges at busy times, nothing. It's just $199 all the time. That's a the cheapest delivery charge in all of North America. We also have something called the 12 flat menu, which is a menu comprised of meals that we sell for $12, no delivery fee. They're not promotions, they're permanent menu items. People can order an unlimited amount of times. So from a customer standpoint, we want to give people affordable food delivery. From the driver's standpoint, we offer our drivers some of the fairest wages in the food delivery industry. We uh, traditional models take a subcontracting route, which at the end drivers find out that they're actually not getting paid as much as they may have anticipated after all their expenses are taken into account. Where we pay our drivers a guaranteed wage every uh, every hour that they work, which is uh, very different compared to how it's done now. So that's how we take care of our drivers. From the restaurants. Uh, we offer some of the best uh, margins in the food delivery industry. And also, the restaurants are so important to this app because these are rural areas. And a lot of the restaurants we're going to be partnering with aren't going to be massive chains. They're going to be mom and pop shops where that restaurant is their entire, like that's their life, is that restaurant. So it's really important to us that they're taken care of properly and we're able to give them as much benefit as possible. So one thing we offer is menu exclusivity. So that means that if you're our pizza partner, we're not gonna put another pizza joint on our platform. Because if you think about it, uh, when, you, when you join a food delivery app, you share the margin a little bit of the revenue, right? Mm -hmm. And for some restaurants, like that, that's pretty tough. Like Restaurants operate on pretty small margins as it is. So if you get on an app and you're already sharing some of your margin, and now every other competitor is on that app as well, then are you really gaining competitive advantage? Not really. Mm -hmm. And you're just losing some of your margin now. That's really tough for small restaurants. So with us, we offer that exclusivity. So if you come on here, 
you're going to gain such a competitive advantage for being on a mobile app in a rural area that it kind of compensates for it. And so what's the initial interest been like from the restaurants? Have you seen them kind of picking it up a lot or have you been yeah. doing a lot of selling? So, uh, well, at the beginning, it's, it's tough being uh, going to a restaurant. Like I said, this is their life. That restaurant is their life and saying, hey, so I'm um, 22 years old. Uh, and when I went to the restaurants originally, we didn't even have the app built yet. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to sell them on this concept of yeah. something that doesn't even exist yet. And um, basically putting their life's work like in the hands of a 22 year old, put, yeah. that's a lot of risk. Yeah. So at the beginning, understandably, restaurants were a little cautious, uh, but we were able to get some really great partners. Yeah. And, uh, and the results have been really, really great. And nice. we've been, Every week I get to go into those restaurants and hand them a nice check, and uh, they've been, it's, it's been really, really that great. That must feel good. It, it's, it's awesome, yeah. and they're super appreciative of it. Picking up on what you said, the difficulty of being a 22-year-old, taking these people's almost livelihood in your hands, what has that been like as a young entrepreneur, as, as a student entrepreneur? Because from my perspective, it seems no one's ever really going to take you seriously until either you failed a few times or until you turn 30, basically. Yeah. So I knew when I started the business, uh, well, the first thing I had to do was raise money. And it's tough for people to just give you money mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you don't have anything to show for. Um, so it was really important for me to build an experienced team. It's a student business, but it's important to have experienced leadership to give that guidance and that credibility as well. So I've been really fortunate uh, since I've started to get some really really great business professionals in, uh, in Nova Scotia to kind of be backing the project, yeah. um, which is great. I remember it's not a problem now, that especially now that we have some traction, we have an app to show for, a track record. Yeah. But when we started, you know, you go in to meet with a restaurant, you go in to meet with an investor, you, you gotta bring someone that's older than 22 into the room just so they're like, okay, we, okay, we'll take this a little bit more seriously, so. That's funny. Uh, yeah. So, to, you're absolutely right, I mean, you see it every day, like that bootstrapping phase is the grind. That is the hardest to get from the idea and to just go with faith and to that next step. So, what did you have to do in order to get to the point where you had some, like a partner with you or you, you got that money? Definitely. You know, there's, there's a saying that uh, creativity is an idea and innovation is the implementation of that. I like that. Right? And here's the thing. Anyone can be creative. Yeah. Literally anyone can think of anything. Mm. There's an unlimited supply of it. There's, not, there's a limited supply, though, of people doing something about it. So when I started out, um, I had to prove that I, this wasn't just a thought and this was the real deal. So I'll give you an example of how I could prove myself to whether it was investors or restaurants. Mm -hmm. So for this model, uh, I had to, it's a, it's a unique model and I had to prove that the math worked out on it, that it would it actually cut costs. So what I did is I went on Google Maps, I had a couple other resources that I cross-referenced and I basically mapped out all of Wolf Hill. And I was calculating the time and distance of each street so I could, and I'd run like hundreds of scenarios through it, like simulations and stuff. I spent two full weeks on this thing. It, like, 50, plus, 50, 60, 70 hours of work on this. And um, I go to my first investor pitch. And I go in there and I'm explaining the model. And I show them the numbers. And at the end of the pitch, the guy looks at me and he says, have you driven these streets? And I go, uh, no, but you know, I've been using like credible sources, the, yeah. all the math checks out. He's like, yeah, but have you driven the streets? Have you done it though? And I was like, 
Well, no. And that was basically the end of the pitch. Like, I didn't have a chance after that. So wow. when that pitch ended, I drove back to Wolfville. I had, everyone knows in Wolfville, you have to buy your lease for a full year. So I already had, even though it was the summer, I, was, I still had a house ready to go up there. Yeah. So I basically camped out in Wolfville for a full week. I drove every single street with a stopwatch in hand and like some paper and my laptop on the other uh, chair. And I did the exact same thing, but in real time. And guess what? It was the exact same. It was the exact same. All the numbers were the same. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> but I, uh, but then the next time I went to a pitch, I had it right in my pitch. I showed, I had like the data to show. And when people asked, they said, this is right. You've, you've double checked this. I could confidently say that I have. Yeah. And honestly, being young, just being able to prove that you're willing to do the work and that you, you, you've done your due diligence, like that is by far the most important thing. Yeah. Because there's a little bit of a persona out there that a lot of young people, they're kind of in it for the clout. You know, they, you know, they, a lot of people, they watch Wolf of Wall Street or something, they get all excited and they come up with an, you know, an idea, but they don't like, you know, there, there's a little bit, that's the persona a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you see the Firefest documentary and, uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's, that's it, right? Yeah. So, uh, the way you disprove that is you have, you just go out and grind the workout and that's really what it is. Um, <laughs> you know. A lot of people think starting a business is like really glamorous and it's like really exciting. It's like the movies and stuff. Mm. Realistically, what it is is sitting at a desk on your computer and not moving for like ten straight hours. Yeah, like that's what it really is. Yeah. Um, it's now the end result is really fun and getting to see it develop, but what the movies don't show is they do a cut scene between the time the person sat down and the time the person came up with the final product mm. you watch the social network they don't show you the thousands of hours mark zuckerberg took coding that uh coding facebook right yeah they they do all they show you all the fun stuff when he was uh like meet, meeting with investors yeah. and all that fun stuff but and so how much of that grind is kind of just like up to the entrepreneur to map out in their head i need to go here i need to do this next and then doing it versus going and talking to somebody either at an incubator or, or an advisor and kind of having like a little collaborative uh, brainstorming to figure out the next steps. When we go to school, we're, we're kind of taught, we're always given kind of an outline on how to do something. Mm. And that's very different to like starting your own business because you have to create the outline. You're, if, if you're creating a new business, then reasonably what you're creating doesn't have any outline to it. You, you are the visionary of the outline. And that's a very, it, it, it's challenging, and it's something that a lot of students aren't used to. Like I wasn't, it wasn't really something I was exposed to a lot, and that was the, the biggest challenge was just trying to create something, and I didn't know what the end product should look like, or I didn't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So meeting with experienced professionals is so valuable, because mm -hmm. they're people that, they can't give you the answers, and they're not, they're not going to. Mm -hmm. And if you're expecting it, like direct answers from someone, then uh, you probably shouldn't be, like an entrepreneur is not the road to go. Wrong business. Yeah, exactly. But at least getting that guidance uh, yeah. can help you kind of shape where you're going. Yeah, and for you, uh, how did you go about getting in touch with these professionals or, or getting that guidance? I mentioned that when I got to university, I kind of had this big picture plan that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So part of that was, uh, I wanted to be really strategic with my work terms, and uh, the work terms weren't about money for me. They're they're all about experience. Because the way I looked at it was, 
you know, I can, you know, I can have a, a nice paying job, hopefully, when I'm older. Like, I have no liabilities right now. I have no responsibility. If there's a time to take a less paying job and try to just soak in as much experience as possible, it's now. Yeah. So I remember in my first work term, um, I was a co-op student. I was trying to find a co-op work term. And it's really hard to get a, a good co-op for your first work term. Uh, so I was going through the co-op portal. I didn't like anything. So um, I kind of went back through the donation list I had to my foundation when I was younger. Mm. And one person stuck out to me. His name is Phil Otto. And he owns this marketing firm called Revolve in Bedford. It's a really prestigious marketing firm. And, uh, and he had donated to my foundation. I hadn't talked to him in like 10 years. Um, so I reached out to him through LinkedIn. And I said, hey, um, mind if I just come in and say hi? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, okay. So I go in there, and I had this like 30-minute speech ready to go about how I, much I want to work at Revolve. And I want to learn for how a good business is run. I want to learn about marketing. Um, and they didn't have a job opening. And I literally said, I said I'll, I'll work for minimum wage. I'll, just, I'll do literally whatever you want me to do. And he said, you know what? Love your ambition, sure. And gave me a job. Um, so I worked for them for a whole summer. I did anything they wanted me to do. Some weeks it was great. I could sit on these client meetings. I'd learn all this great stuff. And some weeks, and I'd be happy to do it, but I would literally file their accounting like folders and I would just label them for two straight weeks. Whoa. And, and the way I looked at it was I'm being paid. I'm a co-op student. It's, if someone else is doing it, their time is way more valuable than mine. So it's better mm -hmm. that I do it. Yeah. But I never complained. Like I was just, I was really happy just to help out in any way I could. And um, a couple years later, I ended up reaching out to Phil, and now he's one of our one of my big partners and investors in uh, in in Kangaroo. So that's just one example. Yeah. Um, Whenever you're starting a business, you got to start with family and friends. So you go to your immediate family and friends, say, hey, um, this is what I'm doing. Can you help out at all? Most of them are going to say no or they just can't. So on the note of, of Revolve and branding, how'd you come up with Kangaroo? Yeah, so it's weird. You can, you can create a business. You can do a massive business plan. Think of every detail. And then the thing that stumps you is coming up with a name. It's got to be just right. Exactly. So the way Kangaroo actually started was, and the way the model got developed, was the original thought is, okay, I want to do food delivery, mm. but I mean, Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes exist. What's going to differentiate us from them? Yeah. So I came up with this idea of the 12 flat menu. And I was like, you know what would be really cool is if our whole menu was $12 flat and there's no delivery fee, it'd be the first like free delivery yeah. company in, yeah. in like the world. Yeah. And that was my original plan. Um, turns out that doesn't quite work. Uh, cool. You can't run a whole business like that. So we did the, but as a result of trying to solve how I could do 12 flat items, uh, I was able to come up with this model, which turns out is a more financially sustainable model than the current industry standard. So that's how we came up with the 199, which is still the cheapest in North America. So the original name of the company was 12 flat. And, uh, and that's actually what it's, Incorporate. We're getting the name changed now, but that's actually what it was incorporated under. Mm. And uh, the problem is having a number in your name is kind of tough because what happens if we go to BC and uh, twelve dollars here is like eighteen dollars over there, right? right. Yeah. So uh, twelve flat uh, wasn't the best starting name. Yeah. So 
I tried playing around with so many names. I tried to do the like cliche Silicon Valley stuff where I like I came up with the idea of flat, but the A is an X. Like just right, just yeah. weird. You know, like literally, like you watch like Silicon the show Silicon Valley, like every one of those names, right? Um, so we were just thinking more and more, and um, we kind of just it kind of came out of thin air. But the name Kangaroo kind of came to us in that. I was thinking about, well, our companies were trying to almost take, we're students trying to take care of other students, right? Give them affordable food delivery. So initially in my head, I was like, well, you have like the kangaroo and like, I had this idea of like the Joey, which is like the baby kangaroo in the pouch. Mm. So I was like, oh, we're kind of like the kangaroo, like taking care of the, uh, the students. <laughs> and, and also the way our model works is it kind of works with kangaroos that we kind of hop around to multiple locations right, and yeah. it's like the foods in a pouch right yeah so uh and i you know it's one word i, I just i don't know it, it just kind of rolls off the tongue it's yeah it works it fits wow. yeah and you know what i mean there's a company called apple right you come know? on with a bite out of the side of it for the logo like yeah it's a name's a name and you, you settle on one you go with it and um, yeah. and it's more about the brand that you build around it, yeah, and uh, that's, that's kind of what our goal has been. Yeah. You know, we want to be the student food companion app. We want when students are hungry, we want them to feel like they can trust us to take care of them. Yeah, because like like I said, we're students, so we understand the struggles of, yeah. of what, what students go through. And so, if you had one piece of advice to give to an, an aspiring student entrepreneur, what would it be? Start right now. Whatever you don't even have to have an idea, or you can have an awful idea. It doesn't matter. Just literally start right now. The most, the most valuable thing is time. Is time, and everything gets better with more time spent on it. And you can't just go buy it. You can't go buy time. So just start right away. Yeah. I go back to that thing that, like I said, creativity is an idea, and innovation is the implementation of that idea. Yeah. Anyone can be creative anyone can have an idea it's a it's about just getting into it and you know you can start something right now and in a couple months you develop it and you have a better idea that comes along well just start that new idea then at least but you had a couple months of developing a business plan you get you get to learn about uh how to start businesses and stuff yeah it's just like start right now yeah and i find as well like people are like well like i'll come up with a better idea in two months after working on this anyway so what's the point of starting this one if it's a shitty idea it's like well you probably will never come up with that other idea if you don't go through the ropes and the trials of this one so to iterate just a really short story because yeah. i know we're finishing up but uh one of the way I ended up getting connected with my one of my key partners has been a really big support for me. Is uh, I had this, I have this hobby of creating. I used to create business plans all the time. If I came up with an idea, I'll just try to create a business plan for it. Mm. And my goal was one of these is finally going to hit. Um, you know, saying is success is hard work times luck. You can't control luck. Mm. All you can control is your hard work. Yeah. And you can increase your chances of luck by just simply throwing as many darts at the board as possible. Yeah. Right. That's so I would just always create these. I would create business plans constantly. And. The way I actually got connected with uh, some of my investors, my current investors and partners, is I actually had another business last year that I was I was going to launch, and I ha I had an investor lined up for it. Um, I had a contract like on the table, ready to go to get this thing, mm -hmm. get this thing off the ground, 
and I reached out to someone I knew and I said, hey, I don't, I don't know a lot about contracts, to be honest with you. Do you know anyone in this field that can maybe give me some advice? And they said, yep, I'm gonna connect you with this person. I met with that person and they said, Logan, this is a great idea. Do you have any other businesses that you're working on though? And I said, yeah, I'm working on this stuff. And they said, look, if you wanna pursue that, like I will back you the whole way on it. I think it's a great idea. I love like the initiative that you've shown, like, like let's do this together. Mm -hmm. And I said, great. And I'm really happy the way it turned out. But that whole thing happened was because I started a whole, like I started something else. I didn't stick with that business. I didn't, now that it doesn't exist anymore, not, there's nothing about it, but I wouldn't be where I am right now if it wasn't for just starting that. Yeah. So the key advice is just start literally start just start if you want to do what other people if you want to if you want to be successful or you want to do stuff that other people haven't done then you need to act in a way that other people don't act so I want the majority of people aren't starting something right now so if you want to be your own person and not like other people you got to do what other people aren't and that's starting right now thank you very much thanks man it's been a pleasure